Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle, and you know us. We're that HR dashboard that's helping all of you HR people leaders out there get rid of the tiring, tedious, and manual process of HR reporting. That's right. We know that most of you are using a lot of different HR systems, and you're looking to pull all that data together to get a comprehensive and data-driven view of your workforce. But you're always thinking there has to be a better way. Well, look no further, because that's why we created Employee Cycle, your very own HR dashboard that has pre-built integration connectors to all the most popular HR systems across HRIS, payroll, ATS, engagement, performance, rewards and recognition, too many categories to mention. You simply create an account, connect your different systems, and then you can view, share, track, and analyze all that people data in one unified view. Don't wait any longer. Go to EmployeeCycle.com today and schedule a demo. We would love to talk about how we can automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company today because we have a great guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Jenny Yang. She's the VP of People and Culture at 15.5. And today we're going to discuss how to hire and retain top talent during hypergrowth. Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Woo! Thank you so much, Bruce. It's such a joy to be with you today. It's such a joy to have you here today, Jenny. And so we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how. And that's by asking you, Jenny, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? That's a great question, Bruce. I organically recently did a career transition into the world of HR. So I'll give a little bit of context of my career path. I actually started my career 13 years ago as an SDR, a sales development representative. And so did one of the hardest jobs on earth (laughs) and then grew my career from there. I realized that I was really passionate about understanding how to service customers, how to best provide value to customers. So that's when I leapfrogged over to customer success and started my tech customer success career, did a quick stint in management consulting, and then went back to tech customer success. And then um, it was about four years ago when I realized that I was in the path of healthcare tech and I kept feeling this call to move towards people and leadership development. And that's when I stumbled upon 15.5's Humans Not Resources Meetup. And I attended this meetup, met 15.5's co-founder, Shane Metcalf, chief culture officer, who is now my manager, and was just amazed at what this organization was doing. 15.5's vision has been to unlock the potential of the entire global workforce, Our mission is to create highly engaged, high-performing organizations by helping people become their best selves. There was so much personal alignment um, with that mission and vision that I was, you know, floored. And I told Shane, I need to work for (laughs) y'all. So we got a coffee a um, a few months later after that meetup. And that turned into a job opportunity. I was hired to help him build and scale the customer success org at 15.5. And then as I was in that role, heading up the customer success team, I realized that, whoa, what really energizes me in my day-to-day is growing my team, helping my team members 
be and become their best self and develop into the professionals that they wanted to develop into. So I noticed an opportunity to do that more full-time at the organization. So I hopped into um, building out a talent transformation, talent development function at 15.5 a year and a half ago. And then I recently stepped into this current role, uh, leading the people and culture team um, at the beginning of March. Uh, so just five months ago. Um, so I organically found, found myself in HR. It's really my heart that led me in this direction. That's awesome. And we're so glad that you followed your calling in your heart to help uplift the entire HR and people community. So Jenny, today we're talking about hiring and retaining top talent during hypergrowth. And if it wasn't hard enough to do this during a pandemic slash national labor shortage, I'm sure that it has to be even more difficult and just the compounding level of difficulty when you're going through hypergrowth. So can you first tell us about what does hypergrowth look like and what do you mean by hiring and retaining talent during that stage of your company growth? Mm-hmm. Yes. So hypergrowth, um, what that looks like is essentially compounding revenue growth quarter over quarter. And therefore, you know, not only is the, the business growing from the lens of revenue, also in terms of headcount. Um, so we are preparing for um, essentially having this massive growth, um, not only in terms of revenue, also headcount. Um, from my end, um, what this looks like is ensuring that our talent acquisition and recruiting practices are uh, streamlined, are efficient, are effective in finding top and diverse talent. And um, as you mentioned, this market right now um, is hot when it comes for um, job hunting. And we recognize that there's market conditions of the great resignation happening where employers are anticipating waves of team members to be resigning and going to other organizations. Um, and at the same time, you know, sort of like how the housing market has, you know, been, been so hot right now. It's the, um, job hunters uh, market right now. That's, that's really hot. And so that said, we're cognizant that, you know, it's going to take more effort to be able to attract top and diverse talent um, and then also retaining them. When it comes to hyper growth for your headcount, how many employees do you have now and what does that look like from a projection standpoint? So currently today, we have around 220 team members. And what that looks like going forward is we're projecting by end of Q1, Q2 next year, around 300. Okay. So I'm much better at speaking than I am at doing math, but I think that's about a 40 to 50% growth year over year, which is a lot of people in a very short period of time. So with that being said, let's break this interview up into two different sections. One about hiring and hypergrowth, and then the next about retaining top talent and hypergrowth. So to start off with hiring, what are some of the issues and the biggest hurdles and obstacles that you're facing right now in regards to hiring top talent as you're looking to scale so quickly, specifically when it comes to still hiring A players without sacrificing on talent for speed? Oh, great question. Yes. So that is, <laughs> that is exactly what is at top of mind for me right now. Thank you, Bruce, for nailing that in the head. So what it looks like to hire 
top talent. It again requires this streamlined process that's focused on, on acquiring those A players, as you mentioned. So we have built a talent acquisition process that's inspired by the who method. And what the who method is focusing on who, not necessarily how this person will accomplish the results of that's required of the role. And so there's three components that the hiring team needs to get very clear on as they're um, looking for this A player. So first, what is the mission of the role? What are the competencies that are required to achieve the mission of the role? And then what are the outcomes that you want this role to accomplish? And so I would say that um, getting very clear on those three areas, the mission, the competencies, and the outcomes is so important because that is what comprises the scorecard for the A-player candidate. So that is what we have been building, and that's what we're in the process of implementing at 15.5, is leveraging the scorecard, the mission, the competencies, and the outcomes for the role to bump the candidate up against throughout the entire interview process. And the next piece of that is being able to have this clear step-by-step interview process where you not only do the initial screen, but you have this really key interview called the top grading interview. The top grading interview addresses not only the specific requirements of the role, it also addresses a chronological review of the candidate's history of their past roles and their past employers. And you ask the same exact list of questions for each of their previous roles. So we're going back three roles. And what we want to identify here is, does this person have the competencies to achieve the mission and outcomes of the role? So that top grading interview is key. And then it moves into uh, interviews that are highly focused on the competencies of the role. And then it moves into, um, and this is what we added on to the interview process, a culture, culture and values and mission interview to understand what will this person add to our culture? Are they aligned to our values? And are they mission obsessed? So um, those are the key steps to the interview process. And at the end, it's this assessment around assessing the team member's skill and will. Their skill, uh, their ability to achieve the outcomes on that scorecard, and their will, the motivations and competencies that the candidate brings to the team. And throughout this entire time, I mentioned not only bringing in A players and top candidates, at the same time, we want diverse candidates. So we have implemented the Rooney Rule, uh, which is applied in uh, professional sports, where we want to be ensuring that we have um, a member, at least one um, member of an underrepresented community at each stage of the funnel. So uh, we also ensure that we train our managers on fair, equitable interview practices to reduce the biases um, that may come up throughout the process. I have so many questions about this. That was such a great comprehensive overview. So I first want to talk about some of the things that you said you're optimizing for. So if I get this, if I'm getting this right, if I'm hearing it right, it sounds as though you're optimizing for, or at least what you could be optimizing for, includes experience in the role that they're looking to work in, experience in the industry, growth mindset, and then also all the, are they a good culture fit, culture ad, aligning with the mission, vision, and values of the company. If those are the areas that you're optimizing for and looking at during the hiring process, how do you go about figuring out which are non-starters, meaning 
if they're not a good fit from a value or a culture ad standpoint, could they still, and I guess this is a bad example, but if, if they're higher on that, but then they're lower on growth mindset or experience, does that still fly or do they need to be at a certain level across all the different areas mm. of the hiring process? What does that look like? Yes, it's the latter. It's both and. So when I think about top performers, I think about the what and the how. And this is also how we you know, measure performance as well is looking at the what are the results that they have accomplished previously and how, um, how are they going about it? How are they showing up? Um, what are their behaviors and, you know, how are they, what, how are their behaviors aligned to our values? And so it's both and, uh, what and how, and also, um, competencies specific to the role and, and competencies specific to our values. And so I'll, I'll further define competencies, uh, where, you know, I think, Folks get sometimes confused about skills versus competencies. What competencies are is you can think of them as the umbrella of demonstrable and measurable uh, cluster of knowledge, skills, behaviors, attitude, and other characteristics that a person needs to perform work functions successfully. And so I think of it as overarching, you know, um, their experience, you know, again, their skills, their behaviors, their attitude. So um, I think that that's really key on both the role, role itself and, and the values. And then when it comes to DEI, I just want to clarify, did you say that you make sure that there's one person representing the underrepresented group going through the hiring process? Or did you say one person from each individual underrepresented group going through the hiring process, meaning there's one person of color going through each stage, one woman, one person, I don't know if sexual orientation is even something that you could track legally. But as an example, is that how it works? How does that work for your hiring process? Yes. So for our specific hiring process, um, the Rooney rule is having one underrepresented uh, person in the funnel at each stage of the funnel. Um, and so what that might look like um, for one of our functions that might be predominantly male, we would ensure that there's at least one female or non-binary person in the pipeline at each stage of the funnel. Or um, for a team that is predominantly white, uh, we want to ensure that there is at least one person of color um, in the pipeline at the stage of each funnel, uh, at the funnel, uh, throughout the funnel at each stage. Got it. Okay. And so a lot of companies have tried to implement things like this, but the recruiters are under so, so much pressure to hire people, let alone not sacrificing for talent, but then also making sure that, or not sacrificing for top talent and A players, but then also making sure that you're moving underrepresented candidates throughout the funnel. How do you ensure that people aren't skirting around those those different things that you want to happen throughout the hiring process and that they truly are sticking to it while also hitting the goals that they need to achieve under your under your leadership? Yes. We ensure that we have a clear kickoff with the hiring manager. So our talent acquisition specialist with um, the functions business partner will meet with the hiring manager to align on agreements as we go through the 
the talent acquisition process. And, and one of those top agreements, first and foremost, is to commit to our um, diversity, equity, and inclusion goals. And that, and, and we have goals to diversify our 15-5 community. So it's very clear and upfront, and that agreement is made at the beginning um, before we even open up the, the role. Got it. And then from a retention standpoint, you know, it's interesting being a tech startup ourselves as we talk to much more mature and larger tech startups. And I've talked to other tech founders. One of the things that they're always thinking about is as they grow through hyper growth in scaling the business, they think about people working at different stages of the company. So one of the things that you'll hear a lot about in the tech space is can people scale? as the business grows. And there are certain people who only like companies at very small stages. There are other people who only want to work at the biggest company around after it's went public because they want that stability or at least that perceived stability. And then there are people who like to have their very specific stages of the company throughout the entire spectrum. So how do you think about keeping A players throughout that entire process, knowing that certain people only want and or can work at certain levels of the business? Oh, that is what we're going through right now. I feel like you're you're a sage just reading into my soul right now and picking out some of my <laughs> the, the top things that keep me up. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah, this is a very time this is a very timely question. And at the end of the day with you know, when I think about our top A players, um, and this has to this has to do with um, I'll, I'll speak to fifteen fives value a few of our values here. So um, first, we have a value of being and becoming your best self. Um, secondly, cultivating relational mastery. Thirdly, um, doing the extraordinary. And um, these three out of our four four core values are so pertinent for someone to live out especially as we continue to grow and, you know, uh, literally I I started at 15.5 when we were 40 employees and now we're 220. And so I have, yeah, I have grown, you know, throughout this entire experience, um, not only in my leadership, but how I relate to others. And, and I would say that, you know, living out our values is so key to that. And, you know, part of being become your best self is, you know, ensuring that you have a growth mindset, cultivating a growth mindset, um, being okay with failure, learning from that failure, um, being open to feedback, and then cultivating relational mastery is all about, you know, collaboration. And oftentimes we have to lean into healthy conflict and we have to resolve that conflict. Um, and I think for those who are really successful in the A players, they are able to, you know, not only um, embrace the healthy conflict, but resolve conflict when it's becoming non-productive. And then the piece of doing the extraordinary is always challenging our own status quo, always being ahead of, you know, ahead of, you know, where our manager is and, you know, seeing things and anticipating things and having solutions to, you know, different challenges. So um, I would say those three core values play so are so key there. And then when I think about retaining our top talent and A players, um, there's a few strategies um, that we are actually in, in the process of deploying. So we want to enable managers to have state interviews um, with these team members and asking them, hey, you know, 
where, like, where can I support you more? Like, what do you need to stay at this organization? And then we're currently in a uh, review cycle, which we call them the best self review. And part of this best self review cycle, one of the questions was, where do you see yourself at 15.5 in the next two years? And so we're having people paint a vision for themselves here. And we're having managers also paint a vision for our team members. And so we want them to be able to co-create this vision so that they can continue to grow and develop here at 15.5. And the other aspect that I'm looking at is exploring um, paying our top performers um, top of market pay as well. And I'm also revamping our equity program to ensure that we are um, having meaningful stakes of equity for um, all of our team members, specifically our top performers. That's awesome. And I just have one short question for you to end the interview, which is a little meta. And I I love to get the perspective of HR leaders figuring out how are they becoming their, their best selves. What what kind of mindset for all of our HR leaders listening who either are about to go through hypergrowth or going through hypergrowth now and looking for a little advice? What kind of mindset do you need as an HR people leader as you're going through hypergrowth so that you don't drive yourself crazy or so that you have a handle on what's going on and you're able to perform and execute at the level where you need to? Yes. So I would say it is it's having proactive strategies, because oftentimes we can find the HR function to be quite reactive. So having proactive strategies and processes in place to handle uh, fires and, you know, potential reactive projects that need to come up. And so I would say a lot of it has to do with maniacal prioritization and time management and ensuring that you have time dedicated to your strategic products and then also some time dedicated to um, the reactive work. And so my rule right now is 80% strategic and then 20%, you know, saving some of that time and space for, you know, some of the fires that come up. Um, So that has helped keep me sane um, throughout this process. And I think part of this as well is ensuring that you build a really strong team. Um, I have an extremely strong team of what I consider high talent density of high performers. And so I really trust my team members to be able to own their swim lanes and their own sub functions. Um, So that's key as well. Jenny, thank you so much for being such an awesome podcast guest, for sharing your wisdom and thoughts and experience around hiring or retaining top talent during hypergrowth, especially during this time where HR is going through this transformation where a lot of people are trying to understand what should HR be doing and how should the role of HR be handled. And you provided a lot of wisdom here. So thank you so much for being such an awesome podcast guest. Thank you, Bruce, so much for being an amazing podcast host. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And where can people find you and 15.5 online? Yes, 15.5.com. And you can add me on LinkedIn, Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E, Yang. Pronouns are she, her. So find me on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter, uh, Jenny May Yang. Um, So feel free to connect. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all of that contact info in the show notes. So for everyone out there listening, if you enjoyed this interview as much as Jenny and I did making it, then please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, if this is your very first time listening to our podcast, but now you're hungry for more episodes, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.